0: And our chapter for today is Second Kings chapter 4. Elijah is dead. Elijah is gone. Ever how you want to look at it, Elijah has been taken away from Elisha, the prophets, and all of the people of Israel. And so there is rebellion. Yes, God sent rebellion to the surrounding nations, put it in their hearts, and they rebelled against the king of Israel and against the kings of Judah, as we will see. You see, the Lord is the only one that can give us peace, that is, the absence of conflict or shalom, true balance and healing and wholeness inside of us. And so we are confronted with Elisha and his dealing with the surroundings and all that God has for him. But before we get into the ministry of Elisha proper, God teaches Elisha and a widow woman, one of the wives of the prophets, that indeed he is God in Israel. He is God in all of the world, and he can provide. And so we read in 2 Kings chapter 4, of the story of Elisha and a woman. A certain woman of the wives of the sons of the prophets cried out to Elisha, saying, Your servant, my husband, is dead. And you know that your servant feared the Lord, that is, this man who had been taken. And the creditor is coming to take my two sons to be his slaves. Now, this was not Anything out of the ordinary in the ancient world or in the Greco Roman world of the days of Jesus. You see, when you could not pay your debt, you couldn't file chapter anything, 7, 11, 13. There were no bankruptcy laws. You were sold or your family was sold into slavery. The biblical text gives a limit to the years of that slavery, but in the ancient world, many times it was for life. And so this woman was about to lose her sons. So Elisha said to her, what shall I do for you? Tell me, what do you have in the house? And she said, your maidservant has nothing in the house, but a flask, a souk. A flask of oil. Then he said, go, borrow vessels from everywhere, from all your neighbors, empty vessels. Do not gather just a few. That is, don't diminish. That's the word for to make small or diminish. He said, do not spare anything that anyone will give you, anything that anyone would let you borrow. I want you to bring it into the house. And when you have come in, you shall shut the door behind you and your sons, then pour it in, that is, that little bit of oil, that flask of oil, pour it into all those vessels and set aside the full ones. So she went from him, shut the door behind her and her sons, who brought the vessels to her, and she poured it out. Now it came to pass when the vessels were full that she said to them, bring me another vessel. And he said to her, there is not another vessel. So the oil ceased. Then she came and told the man of God, that is Elisha. Isn't that a wonderful name? The man of God. It's interesting. It is not man of God. It is Ish Elohim, Not Ish Elohim. Man of God, but man of the God. I believe this was specific. This is not always the way that Elohim is given. This is the God of Israel, probably in juxtaposition to the gods of all the nations around. And so he said to her, "Go, sell the oil and pay your debt." And you and your sons live on the rest. A miraculous event, supernatural. And God has some lessons for us. I would love to go through all of the chapter that we call Second Kings chapter 4, but I want to just center in on this particular passage, if I could, and I want to draw some applicable truths to you and to me because it's so important as we go through this study of the Word of God chapter by chapter, day by day, 365 chapters, that we don't forget that the things that were written before that is, in the Tanakh, the Law, the Prophets, and the Writings, were written for our learning and for our instruction, for our admonition, that we might have hope, we might have expectancy, that what God did then, He is still God and can do now. And so it is critical that we draw from time to time the great lessons of faith. First of all, I want to just, if I could, without being preachery, And without trying to sound like a sermon, I want to point out just a couple of things for you. First of all, this woman was desperate. She had lost her husband. She had two sons, and the husband evidently did not have a lot to begin with. Most preachers don't. Most prophets don't. He had made his living meagerly, I'm sure, as he had been enrolled in the school of the prophets that Elijah and Elisha had started, so he was a protege, a student of Elisha. And so this woman said, he's dead. What am I going to do? The creditors are going to come and take everything I have. We have nothing, but they're going to take my sons. What will I do without my sons? I will be destitute. And so she was desperate. And God supernaturally met her need. Now, God does this often. He doesn't have to. He doesn't do it every time. Sometimes God will bring about someone in the life of someone else as he did in Elisha in this very chapter. As there was a woman, a great woman, a wealthy woman, a wealthy family that provided a place for Elisha as he made his journeys and went through the circuit of Israel prophesying and being the man of God, the man of truth, to the ancient Israelite kingdom. However, God doesn't always do it that way. Sometimes God supernaturally intervenes in the life of a person, of a church, of a community, of a nation. And in this case, it was an individual But there are some great principles that we can glean from this passage and this woman's experience. First of all, desperation leads to dependence. I've seen this in the lives of countless people in the ministry that God's given me from coast to coast in the United States. It doesn't matter where it is, when a person gets desperate God has freedom to act in their lives if he's ever going to act in their lives and they're ever going to let him. Sometimes God has to get us desperate before we will listen. Sometimes a man or a woman will have to be lying flat on their back in a hospital room before they will see the brevity of life and just how fleeting life is. Sometimes they have to become crippled before they can appreciate the two legs and arms that God has given us. You see, we don't miss the water until the well runs dry. Many times, we think that life is going to go on just as it is forever, and that what we have now in plenty, we'll always have. That's not the case. This woman was just living life, and all of a sudden, she lost everything. She lost her husband. She lost her uh, means of taking care of her family. And the next thing that she knew, her boys were going to be sold into slavery. This is the way God works. Desperation leads to dependence on him. And indeed, when she cried out to the man of God who represented God to her, then the first thing that Elisha said is the same thing that God often says to us. Look what he said. Tell me, what do you have in the house? In other words, what are your resources now? What do you have to work with? If God is going to do something, he usually allows us to use, first of all, what he's given us. Do you remember when Moses was standing before God at the burning bush? And Moses said, how am I going to do all this I do? When he was standing before the Red Sea. And uh, his back was to the Red Sea and uh, armies of Pharaoh uh, were closing in and hotly pursuing him. Do you remember what God said? And Moses was always, it seemed like, turning to God in an act of desperation. God asked Moses, what is in your hand? God usually takes what we have in hand and at hand to begin to work in our lives. Now, God can stretch that a million fold. But often, God wants us to use already the sense, the wisdom that God has given us. He wants us to use the resources we already have. Sometimes we look to heaven when the answer is in our hand. And so he said, What do you have in the house? And she said, Well, I don't have anything. Well, I have a flask of oil. Can God use that? And he said, Well, here's what I want you to do go borrow vessels from everywhere, from all your neighbors. In other words, I want you to go to all the neighborhood, everywhere. And I want you to borrow everything from everyone. And they need to be empty, which brings us to the second principle. The first is desperation leads to dependence. Secondly, obedience, full obedience will determine, will determine your blessing. Now, this woman had disobeyed and just said, well, go out and get a few boys and bring them in. You know, I don't know. This doesn't make sense to me. And often if the will of God doesn't make sense to our little finite minds, then we question God's goodness and God's dealings with us. The man of God said, go and find every empty vessel you can. Why? Because Elisha knew that if they got a lot of vessels, they were going to get a lot of blessing. And so he said, don't gather just a few. Don't diminish your gathering. Why? Because God was going to fill. God was going to fill every empty vessel. Another principle. God always, always and only fills empty vessels. If you come to God with something in your hand and you say, well, Lord, I know you said you wanted me to empty myself out of myself to be emptied when I come to you. But Lord, I've kept this in hand because, you know, this is really good. And I love my wife. I love my husband. I love my family. God said, give it to me. Well, Lord, but, but you don't understand this is all of God. Yes, I know. I want you empty when you come to me. Why? Because God wants to fill us up with himself. And it's amazing when we allow God to fill us up. He not only gives us all of those things that we had that are a blessing to us, but he also fills us up with himself. Because you see, God says, trust me, I want you to empty out everything in your life. Bring me only empty vessels and I'll fill. And as many as they found, as many as they brought, God filled. Why? Because he's able. He's sufficient. He can do anything, anytime, any way. He is God. And so they went and got Empty vessels, not a few, just as the man of God had said, and God filled every one of them. And then he said, go and sell these. And indeed they did. And not only did God meet an immediate need, a midterm need but a long-term need. They had all that they needed from now on. Why? Because they obeyed and walked in full obedience, and God filled a lot of vessels. Why? Because they had a lot of vessels. They obeyed to the fullest, which brings me, because time is rapidly going to the third and fourth principles that I want to give to you. God can meet our need anywhere, anytime, supernaturally God doesn't have to use anything or anyone he can just supernaturally intervene from heaven have you ever thought when God answered a prayer for you where did that come from well it came from heaven because God is the God of heaven and earth So as you read through this text and you begin to see the miraculous life and intervention from heaven into Elisha and the people that he served, I want you to understand that the same God that Elisha and Elijah served is the same God we serve. The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob is still alive. His name is Yeshua. His name is Jesus. The name above every name. So are you desperate? Well, you need to get there for God to do something in your life supernaturally and miraculously. You see, one of the reasons that America and the church of Jesus is not experiencing a God-sent, heaven-sent shaking of a nation revival is because we don't need it. We think as long as we're getting by and the bills are being paid in the church and we've got a few there and some faithful are coming, that's all that matters. But God is not only interested in us, he's interested in our neighbors. He's interested in all of our family, even the ones that you've already turned away and rejected. God loves them and he has a plan for their life. And what you and I need to do is get to the point of where we want revival so badly. We are so desperate that we empty out ourselves and say, God, use me in any way you can. And then as the widow... And her two sons that were spared from slavery, God will intervene in our lives and our full obedience will bring about full blessing. And so walk with God on the way. This is Tony Crisp. Thanks for listening to On the Way with Tony Crisp. Tune in every weekday for information on biblical passages, people, places, and prophecies. Fridays are for your questions.